On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and joining me by the wonders of Zoom is the author of the book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? Sam Alberry joins us. G'day, Sam. Hi, thanks for having me. Look, it's wonderful to uh, have you on. Um, and this title of a book, uh, you know, is one of those ones that's going to get people thinking just by the title. So good title up front. Uh, Why Does God <laughs> Care Who I Sleep With? Before we start talking specifically about the book, uh, you have actually authored a number of books, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I've written a few things, um, really trying to, again, engage some of the, the big issues that people are thinking about today from a from a Christian perspective. Yeah. Um, so I've written a book on human sexuality. You've got a book coming out about the human body and what that means for us. And it's kind of, you know, what it means to be embodied. Um, and a couple of other books on things like why, why bother with church and that kind of thing. Yeah. So clearly, um, even from the few of the books that you talked about there, there's a, a couple of key themes. There's this faith and spirituality and Christianity out of that. And a number of them have touched on, at least in part on, uh, you know, our, our bodies, our sexuality, those sorts of things. Take us through you, the reason for your interest in both of those areas. Yeah, there's there's two reasons, really. One is, again, these are just such big issues in our culture at the moment. And as a, as a, as a Christian, I want to be part of that conversation. Um, my my own conviction as a Christian is that if if our faith can't be questioned, it's not worth believing. And there are big and legitimate questions to ask of the Christian faith when it comes to issues of, of things like human sexuality. So I kind of want to try and do my best to give a good account for for the Christian faith in in that context. Um, but then also there's a, there's a more personal reason. All of us have our own story when it comes to our own experience of, of sexuality. Um, I've, I've only really ever been attracted to people of the same sex um, all my adult life. So um, th this has been a very personal issue that I've had to sort of think through myself and again, engage with as someone for whom that, that is the, the shape of my sexuality whilst also being a follower of, of Jesus Christ. So I had to kind of think it through for myself anyway. And I figured if I was thinking it through for myself, I'd see if anyone else wanted to listen in and, and join the conversation as well. Yeah. Um, as you did that thinking, was the aim to get to resolutions? Was the aim to get to answers? Was the aim to go on a, a journey of understanding that? Because I think there's a, a, a very traditional view in the church around sexuality that is put forward. And that obviously, as you're thinking through, that doesn't fit perfectly in that mold. What was the aim as you're thinking through that? Yeah, the aim really is is um, trying to think through what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus, given this particular context and uh, given my own journey and my own story. Um, I, I became a Christian when I turned 18, and the, the impetus for that was really being persuaded that Jesus was who he said he was, and that therefore he was he was he was unfathomably good. Um, and therefore, I, I've kind of wanted to, to sort of understand what, what does that look like then when it comes to, to my type of sexuality? What does it look like to follow him? Is he as good in this area of life as he seems to be in so many other areas of life? And I've, I've always realized um, as a Christian that Jesus, Jesus isn't easy, but I do find him compelling and that that I think is the case when it comes to what he teaches on human sexuality. But what I really discovered is that challenging though he is on this, he's challenging to everyone. Yeah. 
So I, I didn't feel as though I was being singled out by anything that Jesus said any more than any human being should feel singled out by what Jesus says. He's, he's both very challenging to all of us and very dignifying to all of us in some of the things that he says. And I, I wanted to, you know, obviously get beyond some of the um, stereotypes that, that there are on all, all the different sides of these issues. Um, mm. And there's more nuance, I think, with the teaching of Jesus than we've, that we've, you know, we've not always under, mm. taken that on board and, and reflected that. Um, he doesn't fit neatly into any of the kind of political camps that we tend to yeah. be familiar with in our own kind of cultural back back and forth discussions and that kind of stuff. So, um, again, I, I thinking through these issues in the light of him has only made him all the more compelling to me, even if yeah. at times he's he's challenging and, and not easy to follow. Yeah. We're going to talk a bit about those challenges for yourself personally and for others as we talk about that sexuality, especially as we talk about this book of yours, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With in, in just a moment. Before we start that, I just want to also go back to something else you, you said just a, a few moments ago when you talked about the reason that uh, Christianity is part of what you talk through. You, you, you use that phrase, if, if it can't be questioned, it's not worth believing, I think was the, the phrase mm. you, you used. That seems to be opposite to what some people uh, maybe say from within the church. And maybe yeah. what some people who are outside of the church think that the church think as well. Oh boy, if you yeah. dare doubt something, how on earth could you possibly be that? That is such a strong feel within Christianity. People do seem to live that. I, I can't possibly doubt. What led you to get to the place that says, well, actually, if I, if I can't question this, it's, it's not actually solid. It, it seems opposite for some people. Yeah. Well, I've got a, a naturally skeptical mind anyway. Um, so I became a Christian when I turned 18, which means I can still remember what it feels like to be someone who isn't a Christian, who is an adult. And um, the, the kind of pre-converted me, I, I still feel his presence and kind of think, what would he make of this claim of the Christian faith? Or, you know, I, I, I've served as a pastor for many years when I'm preparing sermons. I'm thinking, how would the 17-year-old version of me hear this? Mm. And I've got many friends and family who who wouldn't particularly say that they're Christian believers. So I've always got the the sort of the ear of the now, an outsider, if you like, even as I'm processing things as a as a Christian believer. Um, but the very nature of the claims of the Christian faith invites scrutiny. Um, you know, at the, the centre of our faith is 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 a claim that this man stepped into human history and really did live, really did say things and do things and die and as we believe as Christians, that he rose again. And those things are, you can investigate that. Um, that's not just abstract pie in the sky type stuff. There, there are robust questions that those kinds of claims invite and that I think lead to very fruitful conversations. So if, if the only real claims of the Christian faith were about what color the you know, angel's wings were or something, then you couldn't really have an argument about it because you don't have evidence either way, but the very claims that lie at the heart of the Christian faith, if they, if, if they are true, there should be, there should be evidence for that. So I've always found that if, if you're not allowed to ask questions, it makes me think you're not secure in your, in your beliefs, whether that's spiritual or political or something else. So yeah. I've always 
felt and and for me as a christian i i kind of feel like well i want to embrace questions because if it's not if it turns out christianity is not true i need to know that and if it is true there will be an answer somewhere yeah. i may not always have it on my fingertips i may need to go away and think for five years or research or whatever but um yeah i i'm put off by people who don't like their views being questioned yeah. and there's a way it doesn't have to be hostile at all um but I, I think it dignifies the Christian faith rather than undermining it to ask questions. It, it's taking it seriously if you do that. Yeah. Sam Alberry is my guest. He's the author of the book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? We're going to be back in just a moment. And I want to start by talking about this book in regards to um, where everyone draws their boundaries around sexuality and, and Sam's interesting take around that. That's on the way next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and Sam Albury. He is the author of the book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? We've been uh, hearing a bit about the basis for Sam's interest in terms of uh, understanding Christianity and also uh, talking about sexuality. He's written a number of different books on these topics as they intertwine together. Sam, I want to start as we talk about this new book uh, around the idea of boundaries. I, I found it fascinating as you talked about the fact that everyone actually has sexual boundaries. It's not just Christianity that does that. Could you explore mm. that a bit more for us? Yeah, I think the way that the, the argument is often framed is that, you know, Christians are prudish and uptight and have all these lines that they draw and, and you know, secular people might feel as though they've got much more sexual freedom and that that's a better thing. And I, the more I thought about that, the more I've realised everyone draws the line somewhere. Um, no one has no sexual boundaries. Um, and, you know, our, our kind of culture in the Western world these days tends to say, you know, two consenting adults, two or more consenting adults can do anything they want to do, again, provided there's consent. So there, there still is, there are still firm boundaries there. Consent mm -hmm. is still a boundary that we, we, we claim to care about, although we're becoming more aware of how loose we are with that these days. And also the fact that someone has, it has to be consenting adults. So everyone draws the line somewhere. No one is saying, at least that I'm hearing, anyone should just be able to act on any sexual feeling they have, irrespective of what it is or whether the other person is interested or not. No one is promoting that. Mm. So it's not fair to say that, well, you know, Christians have boundaries, but we don't if we're not Christians. All of us do. So the question then is, what is the basis for where you put your boundaries? Um, are they just assumed? Do you actually declare them? Do you have a rationale for why they're there? Um, what, is the, what is the reasoning behind why you feel certain sexual acts should be prohibited and discouraged and other sexual acts should be permitted and, and allowed? And I've kind of found that that's often an interesting conversation to have because many people, Christians, non-Christians, all kinds of folks, have strong views about sexual ethics, but don't necessarily know why they have those strong views or know whether there's an underlying rationale. And it's, it's, it's important to get behind that and to think, well, actually, okay, so, so why do you think that? Why, why there? Why that rule? Why that boundary? Um, and to see whether there's a, there's a kind of a reasonable case to be made for it. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because so often the that the way Christianity is framed is all these restrictions. And as you said, there are restrictions everywhere. It's just the whys of that place and, and the reason for that drawing there 
as you did go exploring, um, what did you come up with with the answers for for some of the whys that it's been drawn in that way? Why why has God said these are the restrictions? Yeah, well, um, that there are various prohibitions the Bible contains about different forms of sexual behavior. Some of those prohibitions are very well known. Some of them are, are less well known or less understood. Um, but really what it, what it boils down to is God cares about who we sleep with because he cares about us. And we care about who we sleep with. It matters to us who we sleep with. This, this is not something that is incidental in our own thinking. So if it, if it matters to us, we shouldn't be surprised if it matters to a God who, who Christians believe made us and love, loves us and cares for us. So, and because in, in the Bible, sex is meant to mean something, it's, it's not just a physical act. Um, and, and in fact, we know it isn't in our culture. We, we often say it is, but actually we know it isn't because when we see the, the, the just catastrophic effects of sexual abuse, we realize, okay, this is more than just a physical thing that's going on here. Mm. Um, so because it's meant to mean something, therefore it matters to God how we, how we use human sexuality, what we do with it, how we view one another's sexuality. And it's part of how God has made and dignified the human race that he's made us as sexual creatures. And particularly in the teaching of Jesus, you see his protectiveness of that sexual dignity. Um, who we sleep with, with matters to, to God because we matter and the person we're sleeping with or thinking about sleeping with matters to God as well. Mm. Uh, so to, to, I suppose, push that on that point a bit more, um, mm. it matters because it matters for us, it matters for, for that person. Um, but couldn't we overlay what we were talking about before? Well, as long as it's consenting adults, that's fine. Um, that we could, couldn't we sort of make that argument? Well, you know, well, I've consented to it. God made me. <laughs> and so therefore that that's fine. Why is that not quite the same argument that the Bible seems to be making? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and obviously that's where so many people are at today is, well, consenting adults, anything goes therefore. Um, again, I, I think there, there are signs that we, recognize there is more to it than that because our capacity to be so profoundly hurt even through acts that we we consent to and all the rest of it again shows us that there is there is more going on here than simply it's not just simply a recreational thing um it's not like hey let's you know have a game of tennis together or something it, it is designed in the bible sex is designed to do something to us and in, and in us, it is meant to be a way in, in the Bible thinking of, it's a way of giving yourself fully and non-reversibly and exclusively to someone else. It's a way of, of giving your whole person to someone else. And if that is the case, then it is, that is going to shape how we understand sexual ethics and who we sleep with and how many people and all those kinds of things are going to come into play. Because if it's, if it really is designed to do that, to be a non-reversible way of me giving my, the entirety of who I am to one other person, then having, you know, promiscuity, multiple partners, one night stands and so many other things is actually going to go against that design. Um, 
And again, there are ways in which we see that. There's a, uh, a weird Tom Cruise movie years ago called Vanilla Sky, where he has a, a one night stand with Cameron Diaz's character. And she challenges him in the movie and says, when you sleep with someone, your body makes promises, even if you don't. And again, I love that line. It's a weird movie, but it's a great line. Um, because it, again, it, it indicates this, this physical act is meant to, to be the sort of token of a much bigger act that's meant to be going on behind it. And to try and extract simply the physical aspect of sex without reckoning on the emotional and psychological thing that's meant to be going on as well mm. means that actually we're going to end up being shortchanged yeah. and, and easily used. Yeah. Can I ask the, I suppose the, the opposite question about from the Bible's perspective, actually from a, a cultural perspective, I think what you said, most people will resonate with whether they have a faith or, or, or not, they would say, yes, there's something that's deeper in connection than just the physical act. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it if someone cheats on somebody um, yeah. and, and there's, there's a, there's a reaction because of that. Um, we, we see it because there might be a jealousy of something or whatever else it might be. It is there. So if that's sort of an understanding and, and, and a known part of us deep within, why do you think there is this sort of pervading understanding in the culture that it's okay to, to just have sex with whoever you like, whenever you, you like, which is what we were sort of talking about at the start. How, how come those things aren't clashing more? Yeah, I think we've got a rather... Uh, kind of schizophrenic view of sex in our culture. So on the one hand, we we kind of say, well, it's just recreational. It's just fun. Um, it's just a form of of self expression and pleasure and and so forth. And therefore, it it shouldn't be policed by religion and, and all these kinds of things. But on the other hand, we're also saying that your sexuality is who you are, and you can't fully be yourself unless you are expressing yourself and fulfilling yourself sexually so on those those are quite contradictory messages um because on the one hand we're we're saying that if you try to repress or moderate your sexual desires you are even psychologically harming yourself but on the other hand we're saying oh it's just a physical thing and it doesn't really matter so there's a bit of a contradiction there, as I understand it, from, from where we often are culturally. And mm. I think it's because we, we're trying to reckon with the fact that it does mean something, whilst also trying to keep it in the purely recreational category, because if we take it out of that category, we then got to do stuff with it that we don't quite know what to do with. Mm. So that, that's my, my best guess, anyway, on, on some of that. Yeah. The author of the book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With, Sam Albury, is my guest. We're going to be back with him in a couple of minutes' time. and He's done, obviously, a lot of study around sexuality and what the Bible says and theology in that regard. So I want to ask him, um, what are the hardest things about sexuality that he reads in the Bible, the things that he struggles with most to understand and to sort through? Uh, that's the question we're going to be throwing to him next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9, The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and Sam Albury is my guest. He is the author of the book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? Um, Sam, we did say, uh, we've talked a lot already. If you're just joining us, we've, we've covered off a whole lot of various you know, understandings, whether it's from a, a Western cultural perspective of sexuality or looking at the Bible's understanding of sexuality, especially when it comes to both of those areas and how they draw boundaries around sexuality. I, I want to ask you, Sam, um, as you've spent so much time looking at these two topics together, 
What are the hardest things as for you to even grapple with and understand about sexuality as you, you read it in the Bible? Yeah, I think there, there are two ways of thinking about that. Some things are hard to understand, and you're like, why does that say that in the Bible? Other things are very easy to understand. They're just hard to kind of then, you know, live out and, and fully absorb the impact of. So, you know, there's, in the category of the former problem, there's, there's obviously lots of prohibitions in the Old Testament, and some of them you kind of think they can feel a bit arbitrary if you, if you don't know the Bible well and trying to think, well, why has God got to hang up about that? Um, there's stuff about, you know, bodily discharges and all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of those sorts of things where I think, okay, there's obviously a rationale here I need to think more about and understand more to try and figure out why it says that. But then with the, the second kind of category, I, I look at when Jesus says that if you look at someone with lustful intent, you've, you've, you're committing adultery with them in your heart. I think that, that's not difficult to understand intellectually, but it's profoundly difficult to come to terms with, if you like, existentially, because Jesus is really saying that the nature of our human hearts is that we, we tend to turn other people's sexuality into a commodity, into something that is there for us to, to consume in some way. And I can kind of understand that he's saying that, but then trying to live in the light of that and, you know, take on board what he's saying there, actually that's, that's profoundly challenging because, as he says, if, if that's the way our hearts are kind of naturally wired, then that's quite uncomfortable. And I, I feel that tendency within myself, and, and Jesus is assuming that's, that's a kind of a universal part of, of human experience, which is why he's, he's challenging on this issue, but challenging to every single one of us is because mm. we, we have this propensity to reduce someone else's sexual dignity into, into a consumable. Mm. Um, and we, I think we're aware of that. We see that around us, but Jesus is actually making us look at our own hearts and see how we do that. And again, he's, he's, he's implying that the person we might be tempted to, to think about in that kind of lustful way, that person has a sexual dignity that Jesus really cares about, that he's protective of, that shouldn't be undermined or demeaned, even if it's in the privacy of someone else's mind. So this, this is why I find him so compelling. There's, there's, I can't think of anyone else more challenging than Jesus Christ when it comes to this. And I can't think of anyone else more dignifying yeah. than Jesus Christ when it comes to this. Yeah. So there's comfort there, but there's discomfort too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the second time you've used that beautiful phrase, the, the challenge and the dignifying of it. I, I, I love that. Can I ask a, a personal question for you, Sam, in light of those two things too? this dignifying and, and as well as challenging. You, you mentioned at the start that um, you're, you're same-sex attracted and, and you're a Christian. It seems to be that Jesus is implying, well, it, you know, you're not allowed to act physically on, on those areas of, of what that is. How, how does that actually work for you as you look at something that is challenging and dignifying um, yeah. as you, you read and, and live your experience? Yeah, well, it, it is, it is, it is that, it is exactly that it is challenging uh, I don't think it is uniquely challenging to me because, again, I, I see how what Jesus says on this lands on all of us. And, you know, anyone who wants to follow Jesus is going to have to say no to some very deep and pervasive sexual desires. If Jesus has 
read the human heart rightly, then there's going to be a, a, a big battle for all of us. Um, it's not going to be easy for any of us to follow Jesus in this area of life. But at the very same time, I, I see a, a vision of human sexuality that is, is so beautiful and compelling that it makes those various prohibitions along the way feel more than worth it, even if they're not always easy. And, it, you know, one of the things that is so central on all of this is, and so telling, is the same Jesus who says all of these things and, and upholds various sexual ethics that we find difficult today. If, let's be honest about that. The very same Jesus describes himself as the bridegroom. So in other words, there's something about his own coming to this world, his own reaching out and seeking humanity that is itself in essence bound up with the story of human sexuality, that there's, some, there's something about what we're meant to find in him that ultimately makes sense of human sexuality and transcends the various wants and longings we find ourselves experiencing along the way. And that's that's the piece of this I really love for people to, to understand. Um, Jesus is putting our own sexuality, our own sexual story into a bigger narrative of who he is and how he's come to bring a deeper kind of intimacy and satisfaction than even any kind of sexual relationship we could imagine. Yeah. That, yeah. that takes things in a slightly weird direction for some people, but it's, it's a significant part of, of his own teaching. Yeah, yeah. Sam, one question that we tend to ask most authors who come on this program, and, and we certainly want to ask you as well, is as somebody flips the last page of this book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? What are you wanting them to go away with? Um, is it an answer to that question? Is it a, a, a journey? Is it a thought? I won't put words in your mouth. Yeah. What is it that is that last page flips over you're hoping they do walk away with? Well, it, it's all of what you just said. I, I hope there is an answer. I hope I'm... I'm answering the very question I'm, I'm posing in that book, but I'm hope I'm answering in a way that, that does put people on a journey towards looking more carefully at Jesus Christ. Um, a, a, again, he is much less easy, but far more compelling than we tend to think he is. Um, that is no less the case when it comes to the context of human sexuality. But I would hope that I can give a good account or at least an adequate account of uh, why sexuality matters in, in the Christian way of thinking, why it matters, why I believe it matters to God, why it matters to, to Christ himself, but in such a way that makes you actually want to go further with Jesus as a result. Um, because again, I find him so, I find him so compelling. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope, I hope it will kind of help people to, to think not just about their own sexual journey and, all the kind of ups and downs that, that they may be involved with that. But I hope it will raise some spiritual questions that, that they might begin to realize Christ has answers to. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, you know, it's been awesome just having a bit of time with you today, Sam. Thank you so much. We do wish you all the best with this book. Why does God care who I sleep with? Thanks for answering some of these questions today and uh, taking us on a bit of a journey as well. We really appreciate your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Sam Alberry, he is the author of the book, Why Does God Care Who I Sleep With? here on 89.9 The Light.